Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. And for the 300th time on a main show, I'm Ken Knapsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, also for the 300th time on the main show. I love that we have to specify main show because it's been a lot more than 300 altogether. Pushing towards, or I think we're past 900, racing towards 1,000 total broadcasts. And then I'm sure someone will have an Excel sheet of the times, the rare times you or I miss the main show. And someone will be <laughs> like, hey, it's 297. And that's probably true, too. Um, <laughs> but for the most part. We've been here uh, 300 main show episodes. And I, I always feel, Joseph, it's, I don't want to say it's a cheat, but we used to do every other week with the main show, then weekly. And then we decided to break up news and deep dives and we count them as each uh, in the numbers for the main show. So, you know, we've been piling on, but uh, we in our in our sixth year of doing this, 
it counts and we're going to celebrate that just in spirit today. Absolutely. Yeah. The numbers accelerated a lot now that we have two main shows a week. And yeah, it is like, you know, when we, I think, had our 50th episode or our 100th episode, it really did feel like, whoa, we really need to mark that. Now it's like 300. Eh, it'll eh. be 600 two weeks from now, uh, which is a fun place to be in. But I did for myself, Ken. I, I haven't finished my coffee. Uh, so I did put just a tiny little bit of whiskey in it uh, to toast our <laughs> episode. Previously, we've planned whole special anniversary episodes uh, for this episode. I put just a little bit of whiskey in my coffee. Ah, uh, some whiskey coffee. I, I I have. Oh, gosh, I don't know how long coffee and whiskey keeps, um, but I have a, I had a, like a gift given to me from the uh, Ryan Elliott, the great cameraman over at the Defy Screen Junkies when I was over there, and his friend created a whiskey coffee. And Ooh. I think you were at my house for like my 40th, and I had it. And I think I opened it up, and we all just took a sif, a sniff. I don't, uh, I, and I, I, we all rejected it. Um, but I still, <laughs> I still want to try. I still have it. I don't know how long. <laughs> I don't know. Might be might be a little bad, but we'll we'll see. Well, I think we should absolutely save that for the 600th episode of the main show. There you go. That's <laughs> uh, but for now, cheers to you for for doing this for a long time and having lots of fun doing it. Hey, you know uh, what started as uh, hey, you want to keep talking some Star Wars? Uh, man, just just uh, turned to some, and and even today, I was thinking about it today. Uh, still. Nearly a thousand episodes, six years. I'm still learning new things about Star Wars or discovering things or focusing on things that I didn't uh, even last month. And that's been part of the journey. So a lot of fun. And we hope you listen and experience that as well. Yeah. We're going to dive into the news in a bit. But before we do, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, we've got a force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us coming up in a bit. And Joseph, uh, another offer that potentially could be really good now. That is right. We have another offer that we can give from Insight Editions. They are a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. They are offering 35% off across their website with a special Force-centered code, so you can get your discount two different ways, by entering the coupon code FC35, or you can visit the website with this specific link, insighteditions.com slash discount slash FC35. And they have many great Star Wars books that we've been highlighting. This week, we're recommending uh, one of my very favorite Star Wars books. It's the Inside Editions book, Secrets of the Jedi. Um, there's a reason I'm returning to recommending this book, uh, which we will talk about later in the episode. So I'm going to stop myself now and save some of my uh, just praise for Secrets of the Jedi in a bit. But for now, if you want to check out Inside Editions and get a great discount, you can check it out with FC35. FC35. Indeed, we are going to catch up. Star Wars Adventures, Life Adventures. We, we kind of already toasted to 300, uh, but that's uh, that's on our notes as well. And I, I'm, a, I'm a little embarrassed, Joseph, that you are you're actually doing the toasting and uh, <laughs> got water. Well, I added this to the notes uh, and forgot to discuss it with you in any way. I've just. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. We, we, we're the familiarity, the trust uh, across the microphones. We've been doing this now for over a year, roughly now, of uh, uh, of not seeing each other. 
Uh, even though Zencaster now, uh, we record mostly on Zencaster for those uh, keeping score at home, and they now have uh, you know they've revamped and they got a, a camera thing, and both you and I were like, no, click that off. <laughs> yeah, there's just something you know. I'm glad that the video exists. I'm glad it works for people, and it's allowing us to to stay connected in, in general in society. But there's always a little bit of an uncanny valley for me of like. Uh, does Ken need to see my bedhead hair? Is that really what he wants? Uh, you know, uh, I, yes, but also no, because I don't want you to have to see me in my tank top and a beanie here. So, <laughs> there's the beautiful picture of the Four Center team uh, talking to all of you. Uh, uh, 300 main shows. Uh, all been a lot of fun. But uh, Joseph, this past week, Star Wars Adventures, Life Adventures, I always can tell uh, on your from just your Instagram feed that you've at least got a moment to catch your breath in the craziness. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been really trying uh, hard to to stay home. There was a huge spike, obviously, in uh, Los Angeles uh, over the last several months uh, with the pandemic. That's coming down uh, a little bit, and uh, and I wanted to get out in the world because it's been quite a while. So my wife and I went to Descanso Gardens that I've talked about before on the podcast. It's just this huge uh, park is, is a puny noun to describe what it is. It is mm-hmm. this collection of uh, all sorts of different uh, trees and plants and kinds of gardens. And it's just this great wide open space where you can stay far away from other people. It's uh, absolutely great uh, to visit. Um, there's this ancient forest section, which is very much like, uh, to me, it is a combination of uh, Endor in the woods and Twin Peaks. It's I always think of Ewoks emerging from uh, the red curtains of the Black Lodge. Right. And it's a very peaceful thought, strangely. Uh, but then the, the Disconcer tradition, it's been it's been like five months since we were there. And this time I was like, okay, when we were done at Descanso, I would also like to stop at Target because I just need some basics. But really, uh, I wanted to go to the toy aisle. <laughs> and uh, so I had a beautiful, peaceful time at Descanso Gardens uh, thinking about life and creativity and Star Wars. Uh, and then I went and bought Deluxe Jar Jar Binks and it was great. Nice. Deluxe. That's what that's got the shield and everything. Yeah, yeah, they had uh, three of him. They had it was it was a really tough time at the toy aisle, Ken, because I was trying to contain myself. So uh, they didn't have any vintage figures, which then I would have failed to uh, contain myself. But they had a deluxe Jar Jar. Uh, they had Queel, uh, the mm-hmm. Black Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a Black Series Dark Ray. Uh, but they're also doing these uh, new retro modern uh, Masters of the Universe figures, uh, and they had a Skeletor. So I needed Skeletor. So I got Skeletor and Jar Jar Binks, my new crime fighting duo on my shelf. Wow. Coming soon to Disney Plus. Give me that. Give me that. That's Yeah, the deluxe uh, Jar Jar, as I mentioned, uh, I think last week, uh, last week's episode, I, I have that now. And it, it, it's, isn't it, it's just glorious, isn't it? Just that packaging, the look, everything about it. It's glorious. Yeah, I mean, I knew it was a good figure. I knew all the weapons came with, so it sort of uh, uh, honored him as a uh, bumbling, though he may be, still a brave warrior. I didn't realize how deluxe it was, like how much bigger uh, than the other figures that it's like, no, this is deluxe Jar Jar. And, uh, and I like, I don't have it right in front of me, uh, but I love the text on the back. It's like, you know, he's, uh, he's clumsy, but he's got a good heart. And a lot of people were very cruel to him for a very long time. I'm paraphrasing, but that's sort of like it, that this whole figure is like, uh, (laughs) justice for Jar Jar its existence. And even the text on the back is like, yeah, we're owning it. Let's celebrate Jar Jar. We've been hard on this, on this poor Gungan. Hard indeed. Yeah. It's so nice. I'm looking yeah, at it right so now. very. It was hard to resist some of the others, but I was very happy to to bring Jar Jar home. 
Uh, so that was my big Star Wars adventure this week is getting that joyous moment in the toy aisle uh, and seeing yeah. Jar Jar. And that that's I would have been happy to find lots of different figures, but it was really it was really Jar Jar that I was going into Target for. Uh, so <laughs> mission accomplished. So those are my adventures, though. But how about how about you? Yeah, razor blades and Jar Jar. Um, Contact solution in Jar Jar, so pretty close. (laughs) Same thing, same thing. Yeah. Uh, For me, you know, so I I had a I I was doing I got back on the uh, my brick building stream and and was um, building the Rogue One era Y wing set that comes with um, Radis and I just had a lot of fun and and it comes with a a Moroff minifig and I was I was just kind of discussing and it, it hit me on air how much. I just love Moroff, and 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 this is a you know Star Wars adventure of just you see this little minifig, you kind of connect with it, and then I, I was kind of reminiscing of when it was he was revealed, and you're I don't know, it's just our natural instinct. This is kind of where speculate responsibly was born out of this type of stuff. You see that character, and you're like, wow, what a hero of the rebellion! He's going to be in all the movie minutes <laughs> and scenes, <laughs> and he's barely there. And and you could either get disappointed, which is fair especially more offense, or you could just realize it's kind of part of this star Wars tradition and these little characters we love. And we, you and I talk a lot about it with the Kenner action figures uh, and, and what that kind of did in the eighties of walrus man has a figure. And it just kind of continues to be this little star Wars, this little corner of star Wars fun. And uh, I just, I was celebrating more off. And it's a great little minifig and you get to build a little backpack too. And uh, you know, just, uh, just love him as a character and love that he's there. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's a really good point because I think I do, uh, I go on about the action figures and, and there is for me like a sadness that, uh, that people don't have those same kind of adventures Mm. with the action figures that we kind of had to as kids because there weren't any other adventures. So it was Mm. make them up or they don't exist. Uh, and I, I haven't really thought how much the minifigs really do feel uh, fill that that mm. void because you're having fun building a Lego. And they're like, who's who's more off? Why is he in a Y-Wing? <laughs> I got to make up a story to fit that. You know, that's so great. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, it reminded me of, um, you know, the, the Lego reveal of the Falcon going to the Force Awakens. And that was kind of the first time we saw Tasu Leech. Right. And right. Another example of your you know imagination understandably is going to take it a lot of different places and, and you, you get what you get. And I do love, um, um, conjure club and, and, and everything. And, you know, the Rathar sequence I've always said, I don't like, but I just like that they're there. I like the characters uh, that, that, that are most supportive, but so it's kind of the same thing, but anyways, it was, it was my star Wars adventure. Just pausing to celebrate this little character that just kind of clumps along in one big scene. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and personally, I have always taken Radis's presence in the Y-Wing as uh, some headcanon that he actually escaped in a Y-Wing. <laughs> I'm all there for that. Proof. <laughs> Proof. Um, so there you go. There's our Star Wars adventures, life adventures, uh, busy times for all of us out there, not just here at Force Center, but are you listening? So it's nice to have those little moments of Star Wars joy. From there, we're going to go into Star Wars news and surprise is the theme of the news. A lot of things just, there it is. There's there's for you to enjoy (laughs) and dig into. So we're going to start with this one. Our dreams are are true. They've they've come true, Joseph. We've talked about it a lot. But the third Padme book from E.K. Johnston is on the way called Queen's Hope. Man. 
This will complete the Padme series. Bittersweet, though this is what we've wanted. I'll just run through some of the details and then we'll dive in here. It will run through the Clone War and up to, and perhaps I would take from some of the comments, past her death, it will involve Sabe and a secret mission. And yes, we'll get some politics with Palpatine, Joseph, all right, no secret. You and I love uh, the first two books. And, I, you know, we'll discuss here in a bit here. It's not for everyone necessarily those books, but we're big champions of Padme, big cha- champions of the, of the books. And I should say people that maybe don't enjoy the books as much as us doesn't mean you don't champion Padme. Padme, just want to get that out there, too. But um, all right. What's your what, what are you thinking about this? How excited are you? Oh, I'm thrilled. This is one of those uh, things that I think you and I both really started to uh, get excited for as we discussed those two Padme books. Um, the I think we both loved the the first one for lots of reasons we're going to talk about. And then the second one uh, did this such a great job of telling her story. Uh, kind of the first half of the book, it is mostly Padme's story, but then it, it becomes you know, uh, interwoven with the events of Phantom Menace. Mm. And then that made us, I think, really, really excited uh, for the possibility uh, and the hope of a a Revenge of the Sith sort of era of, Mm. and it sounds like from this interview that it is definitely going to be uh, a specific adventure that Padme has during the Clone Wars, but in that same uh, masterful way, weave in some different perspectives on Revenge of the Sith, which I think is... It's exciting for lots and lots of different reasons. Uh, one, just because it completes this trilogy. Now we will have a Padme book that kind of uh, up to a point corresponds with each of the films. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with uh, obviously the Queen's Peril being, uh, you know, in inside the events of Phantom Menace partially. Uh, and then uh, uh, Queen's Shadow is setting her up for her, you know, becoming a senator, which I, in my mind is kind of, you know, attack the clones. And then this is very, uh, Queen's Hope will be very Revenge of the Sith. So I'm excited about it for so many different reasons. And I think maybe it's because this era of Padme, even though we got to see her during the Clone Wars a lot in the Clone Wars, these books go inside her head, inside Mm -hmm. her heart, inside her perspective, inside her soul. And I think that's just really needed for Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, that's... uh... Yeah, you said it where, where this uh, the second book, uh, Queen's Peril, goes goes in in around Phantom Menace, and I think just really got our got our gears uh, churning on on what you could do with that. Um, and yeah, to have the the one two three collection of, of 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 the movies and the books kind of in and around them that's that's exciting. And and there's a great little interview with Ek on StarWars.com. Not uh, about two or three questions, but great stuff. And and I want to highlight some of that here. Um, she touched on getting to write Anakin as a love interest, careening towards a fall. It's kind of my summary of it there. And she says, "Quote everything uh, is coming up, Anakin and Millhouse, uh, Millhouse during this period." Um, the first thing is I don't want to focus necessarily again on Anakin this is Padme's story Joseph but I thought that was a great way to look at Anakin during this time and and how maybe Padme can recognize about that because EK kind of explains like look he's good at fighting he's fighting and and he's got power and he's kind of almost having fun doing this crazy adventure thing and the the love of his life is is uh, with him and he's married to her and things you know like Anakin might be looking around going, why is everyone upset? Ah, this is a great, this is great. <laughs> like someone celebrating the, you know, success during the pandemic, which is, is okay. But like, you know, it's, it seems weird. But Anakin <laughs> seems unaware maybe. And, 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 and so that kind of, I don't, that excited me of just like a, a part of the book's approach and part of what you and I've even discussed on, 
on Padme and Padme's place in that relationship and what she can see and what she can build hope from, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I loved everything that E.K. Johnson said in mm-hmm. this uh, interview, but I really love this particular take of her really saying that, you know, Anakin is not the main character of this book. He is Padme's love interest. So it's a yeah. fun, different uh, way to see Anakin and I think a really necessary way uh, to see Padme, to see Padme's relationship with Anakin and have the emphasis not be, uh, you know, how did Anakin's feelings about Padme lead to his fall, but... Mm what are Padme as her own character's feelings toward Anakin. And I love this contrast that E.K. Johnson is kind of pointing out between them, you know, specifically bullet pointing that Anakin is good at fighting that. Yeah. He he's, he's married to the love of his life. And this, you know, this wound from losing Qui-Gon losing his mom is sort of a fulfilled and it is a romantic love. And he's thrilled the way anybody is, you know, at the beginning of a romantic uh, relationship with someone you're really, really attracted to on multiple levels. Uh, But then also that great, we just discussed it on our most recent episode of the Clone Wars report. Anakin really likes straight lines. <laughs> yeah. He likes, as she said, he likes just a clear fight of, uh, I know who the good guys are. I know who the bad guys are. Mm. And really pulling that out, you know, there's that through line in the Clone Wars episodes mm. that we just watched about Anakin always being willing to do what needs to be done and wanting to be able to see things as a straight line and how much conflict that creates for Padme who understands nuance and complexity and understands that problems are complex. And I think what she's pushing back on in this era during the war is not just uh, wanting to stop a war because war bad, peace good, Mm. but recognizing that there is a massive amount of complexity and nuance and Mm -hmm. pieces that aren't adding up. And what great, great contrast between Anakin of like, uh, I'm a fighter and these are the bad guys. uh, So I'm going to beat them and save all the people I love. And Padme going like, but are they the bad guys? Who's the bad guy? Why does the good guy want us to do stuff that's not great? And like all that stuff. Yeah, that's a great starting point uh, to dive into this troubling period of of Padme's life, at least the one that's coming up. And and the fact that this this book will seemingly touch uh, on its own little story with the secret mission. And I like Sabe as a character. I think E.K. Johnston's also done a great job of developing the Hadmaidens, but particularly Sabe as a character. And E.K. even mentioned some of the stuff in the Darth Vader comic where Sabe recently uh, popped up, all the stuff going on there. So that's a great starting point. But uh, I'm really excited, Joseph, but just like some of the big moments of Padme's Clone Wars career, especially that you and I did the rewatch, to get, get, her, get Padme's takes on those moments too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this, uh, I, I like the the description of what the actual plot is going to be, that it is uh, a, a specific adventure for Padme. And as you're saying, kind of hints that it, it will go past uh, this one specific event and, and shed some light on Revenge of the Sith. That, that, that is kind of, yeah, we're both inferring that from what we read. That's yeah, not yeah. like officially clearly stated, but that's both what we were taken from it. Uh, but I also like this story that it's going to be uh, Sabe having to fill in for Padme and Sabe having to see the hor- the horror of the political theater of the war up close. Yeah. Um, that's really, really great. And I think that we could get a lot from, you know, in the Clone Wars, Padme definitely, animated series, Padme definitely has a lot of problems with what's going on. And she's pushing for uh, the Republic to stay the Republic and be humanitarian and, and have policies that lead toward empathy, not just anger and war. She's trying to have, uh, you know, meetings with separatists like Mina Bonteri and, and she is trying to do what is right. 
but by the time we see her in Revenge of the Sith, she has really soured on mm-hmm. the war and the Republic. And I think maybe this is going to be a piece of that, of if she loses, if Sabe sees up close how badly the government has been corrupted uh, by the war and that that causes a breaking point between Padme and Sabe, that seems like it would be like this great concrete moment to have a real wake up call from Padme of like, things aren't just bad. They're, they're truly deeply a a problem beyond the, even the war itself. Broken. Yeah, indeed. Uh, The next couple of thoughts here kind of rolling the one for me. VK talked about Padme, even in death, kind of representing hope and touching lives in the ways that that those people, those lives have maybe even yet to realize she ran through kind of Mon Mothma and Bale and so many of the characters that get to interact with with Padme and have a, uh, you know, some history to draw upon and and with her gone, what that will do to them. And, And that there was this big focus on Padme's strength and hope in spite of the tragedy swirling around providing comfort for ek who is a big padme fan that's uh, clear uh in, in, in the writings and just some of the inter- past interviews um and so we all know what's coming here we all know um even if the whether or not the book touches upon it or goes bad again joseph right we're just kind of inferring this and maybe even strongly hoping that <laughs> go in and pass revenge of the Sith. Will it provide comfort for us, Joseph? That's one of the questions I have. How, when this book closes, am I going to, I'm sure I'll still feel the weight of the tragedy, but just at least feel like what a life, you know? Yeah, I think that it's going to be bittersweet. Uh, I love this part of the interview uh, that E.K. Johnson sort of is admitting to wrestling with her own sense of hope via Padme and, and yeah. you know, realizing that the story of this character is that Padme really sets out to make a difference and there are moments where she succeeds but in the the big tragedy of this part of star wars she does not succeed on making the difference that she sets out to make but that idea of of hope in star wars that even if you don't set uh, you don't make the difference that you set out to make that doesn't mean that you haven't made a difference Mm. i think that's just like a really beautiful idea in general i think it's a key part to padme's story and i think it's probably where some of the the hope in queen's hope is going to come from if there is elements of this book Mm. that remind us uh how vital a character she is moving forward uh that she has this extremely important legacy as the mother of the skywalker twins that you know we see Padme constantly in Luke and Leia and seeing Padme as, you know, a progenitor of the rebellion, right? The, I mean, mm-hmm. they have those cut scenes in Revenge of the Sith, but I think this book could really pull out, you know, if she had not died, she would have been right there with Bale, maybe even with her foot on the gas harder Hard. with how fast the rebellion grew. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, 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 to dive into all that kind of stuff and, 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 uh, the tragedy of her of her fall and just kind of uh, everything. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the Vader comic about just everyone. Sabe is is t- is touched down and how the the Amidalans, as they call themselves, which is that uh, bad may get, it lives on. We know that, but the, the tragedy of her not being able to to um, understand it or feel it maybe in that moment. But it's also part of what I love about the character because she's just so focused on what she wants. Um, what uh, Again, no doubt you and I are excited about this book, but out of this particular book, what are we looking forward to the most? Yeah, I think for me it is it's three things. One, just the the biggest one is Padme's perspective on her relationship with Anakin, her personal uh, love of him, her attraction to him, her fears about 
the marriage, her fears about the war, her hopes for what happens after the war. Um, we can glean a little bit of that from the movies, from Clone Wars, but these books have really gone into Padme's heart, her soul, and we've really spent time on her perspective. And mm-hmm. I, it's such a vital part of the Star Wars story, and I want to feel her perspective on her relationship with Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um the the relationship with Sabe and the political corruption uh, I already rambled about that I'm very excited about that mm-hmm. and then the possibility of a fresh perspective on her death um, mm-hmm. that's always you know uh, going to be a challenging thing it's a challenging part of Revenge of the Sith uh, it is I don't know if I want an answer right. um, I I might be okay with that uh, to exactly how she died because I don't personally just take the word of the <laughs> medical analysis droid right. Um, and she she died with hope. That is such an important part of her character, and I think often gets lost in our discussions of, you know, should that have been handled better in the movie? How could it have been handled? What's our fan theories about what actually happened to her? Uh, do we trust the medical analysis droid? We can get into all those kind of what happened, mm-hmm. but I'm excited for a fresh emotional perspective of she died with hope, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it, it, it's absolutely a tragedy, and in story, how can it be? Not, I don't want to say makes sense, but I, I've been I've been bagging. I've, I know I've said it in Force Center a few times here, but just the idea of like we can get so lost in conspiracy theories because it makes it easier to not face the truth or the harsh reality in front of you. Sometimes, right? Um, I, I enjoy good conspiracy theory, everybody, but sometimes I think that's what it is. You could just hold that shield in front of you and say, "Nope, uh, this the, the thing that is, is affecting me isn't happening." It's just, and and so I'm all for a good. Padme death theory, but I also think what you just described is kind of there. It's this horrible tragedy, but she still managed to die with hope, to pass with hope. And if if EK can kind of dig into that, and I'm with you too, I don't need it explicitly stated, but I've just been, and again, I don't want to say make it make sense, but just like these books have been doing such a good job of just, like you said, Joseph, just providing her perspective, providing her point of view. And I was watching it was so this before this news dropped it, just one of those things that just popped up in your YouTube algorithms. It was a, I think it was about revenge of the Sith featurettes and cause they didn't do a, the full docs for episodes two or three. And it was the featurette of, of Natalie Portman describing Padme during this time and why she liked, and there was just some great stuff in there of Padme, uh, of Natalie Portman, one in the same, um, <laughs> just ta- describing her just like she's a, she's a, a character that uh, ha- has to react to a lot of the plot and how it affects her, and goes on and 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 I, I didn't make notes. I didn't know I didn't know this book was going to be announced two days later. I should have gone and made some notes of, and and to see what Natalie Portman put in there as a performer, and if you can sync up to some of what was going on with the character, and if E.K. Johnston can kind of connect those ideas. Uh, how the, how how the plot, how the story, how the the characters affected her, and how she had to grow from that, or deal with that, or, or her point of view on that kind of stuff. That could be particularly really powerful for me if this book uh, hits it. Yeah, no, and I think it has a, a ton of uh, opportunities to do that. And E.K. Johnson is obviously uh, somebody who uh, loves and understands Padme, and I'm sure has watched uh, every moment of <laughs> cutscenes yeah. and Natalie Portman interviews. And it is, uh, I think, you know, going to be constructed uh, out of much knowledge and much love and much intuition. Final thing on this here. Being a little honest, I mentioned it there, but not everyone we know. Not not just talking about listeners, but I'm even some people. You and I are, are close in in the this space. 
don't they don't dislike these books. They just ah, yeah, okay, great. And it isn't that that they're technically I think in that that YA category. They just yeah, it, it, it's there and it's movie stuff I've already seen and and not everything's for everybody. But you and I just from the beginning have really enjoyed these books. What's our sales pitch? <laughs> How can we get uh, people to come to the light side? And I'm kidding, but you know, I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, I think that these first two books are not books about uh, stories. They're not, they're absolutely, there are plots and things happen uh, and there are conflicts and they are resolved, but that's not the appeal of it. It's not what happens. It's not the plot. Uh, the power of it is the examination of the character and the thematic elements of Star Wars that Padme represents and, and kind of carries on her shoulders. Um, if you enjoy the story of the prequels in particular being the fall of a, a government that seems to mean, mean well being destroyed uh, from the inside, Padme is the, the guardian uh, trying to prevent that even when she doesn't realize that yet. And to me, I think that's the story of these books is that she Padme is, is in a lot of ways to me, the moral compass mm -hmm. of the saga but in particular, she is the moral compass of how do you make uh, ideals into political realities? Mm -hmm. um, she spends the movies, uh, the Clone Wars animated series, and these books, you know, she's got a blaster in hand and she's willing to do what needs to be done. E.K. Johnston gives her that great quote of like, I know how to handle evil. You know, I've done that before. I shot it with a blaster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Other problems are much more complicated and muddy. And how do we handle them? And by seeing her sense of responsibility and her sense of uh, cooperation and negotiation and her sense of in order to do the best good politically, you need to make certain compromises, other compromises you can't make. You have to, as a person, balance, you know, what your needs are as a person with what is the the need or the greater good? How can I serve uh, society? And I think all that becomes really interesting because Lucas created a galaxy uh, that is blatantly uh, political. And it is easy to sometimes just look at it as politics is just the thing that that, uh, you know, smacks uh, the domino and then all of the thrill and the fun and the excitement happens. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Padme is that crucial domino. Um, right. And I think she is a real examination in in the Clone Wars animated series, but in particular in these books of for somebody like Lucas, who distrusts large organizations, she's an example of it's messy. It's not fun. It's slow. But this is the kind of work you have to do politically in order to make ideals come true. Mm. That moral compass term you've, you've used so well, it just really all that that ties up to me, everything that you're, you're describing and how these books kind of dive into that in this way that we love at Force Center, which is taking the movies, taking the stories that you have, and, and they obviously are going to inspire thoughts, headcanons questions and the prequels are full of a lot of questions of but what but why but hey and i don't know and that doesn't necessarily work for me and i think we love at force center going in and finding those little corners and going but here's a way of of, of, of in both how it was presented and and it, here's an idea of why it might work for you you describing padme as the domino <laughs> that's it's really accurate and something that might have been missed 
back in the day, you know, particularly in bigger YouTube reviews of the Phantom Menace and all that kind of stuff. Um, I love that EK is of that generation who was inspired by this character, moved by this character um, in ways at, at the time, clearly more than you and I would have, because this, this she saw herself in this character in so many ways. And having the ability to go in and say, I have those questions too, or some of those things don't necessarily work for me. But let's lay it all down and find out how it works within the story that was there. Find out uh, all these points along the way that tie into the main themes that George was presenting, that Star Wars is about. And this character that is is a through line who, um, uh, you know, fell during this, who fell at the end of this, who, uh, you know, should have been rewarded and, and, and instead got death and, and how a fan uh, can sit down and become a professional writer and a professional storyteller and just say, I'm going to, I'm going to answer these questions. I'm just inspired by that too. And I feel it's like a, a EK's journal in a way. <laughs> My, I have Padme thoughts and I'm, 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 outside of the Star Wars story, moved by that as well. And that's part of the reason I love these books too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the two other things I'll throw out uh, mm. in, a, in a shorter fashion <laughs> is uh, I think it's just, it, for me, It's the, these books are a great way to celebrate that she is a totally her own character with her own internal life. But also just, you know, if you're looking for a way in, she is the mother of the Skywalker twins. She is just as important to their legacy uh, as Vader. It, she's just as important to the truth of of who they are. Mm. Um, so th- it's great to celebrate Padme as a character, but you can also look at these books as a study of where did the Skywalker twins come from? Um, and then the final thing for me is just the handmaidens are cool. <laughs> They've yeah. always been cool. And this really dives into the like, what if you had a team of best friends who kind of look like you who kick ass in every uh, possible imaginable way? Yeah. And, 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 it, and it's, I go back and watch those movies that I have, have more of a, like looking in the background of the, uh, of the handmaidens and, and wondering if the conversations are still going on, you know, <laughs> the ones in the books and all the, <laughs> the little dramas, the relationship dramas, the successes, the joys, all those things. It, it, it creates a, second life for the background of the of those movies there so and same with the panaka stuff of just like we know where panaka gets to becoming a moth and all that kind of stuff and where that begins and how it just makes sense to me she's such a good writer and and loves this character and it's just been a joy to experience it so uh that book oh my gosh did i not write when it's coming out oh there it is november 2nd 2021 it will be available and queen's power will be released in paperback on september 8th uh, next story here, another surprise, Star Wars Hunters, the new game coming to Nintendo Switch. For all you Switch owners, you'll get to battle in a galactic arena with this new game, Star Wars Hunter, Hunters, a competitive arena combat game. This game is set after the fall of the Galactic Empire, will include many classes of fighters like bounty hunters, stormtroopers, and heroes of the rebellion. Uh, so here's hoping like a uh, like Vober Dan's uncle is in there. <laughs> Vober Dan himself. Uh, a short clip, like about 30 seconds, uh, we got to see a Wookiee warrior, which is cool, and a red lightsaber-wielding character that we don't quite know uh, anything about. Yep, uh, this game is is playing around canon, but not in canon as far as we know right now. So let's start the discussion there, Joseph, about this. You and I love Battlefront 2, which is similar to me, where it's like, it's totally a canon adjacent game and just go crazy kids with all the things you know and love in canon. So what's the appeal of these canon inspired games and maybe particularly this game, star Wars hunters. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I like the freedom of being sort of canon adjacent uh, mm-hmm. because especially like this, where it, it looks like it's set in a very specific time period that it's after the fall of the Empire. So I think they're going to get some fun out of that, a little bit of that sort of Mandalorian uh you know, promo summary that was out before the actual show about like, it's this time where there's chaos and you, you know, don't really know who's, who's got the power yet. That looked like it'll probably have some fun with that and kind of determining who these characters are. Right. And that, that makes it just kind of wild and fun and free. Uh, but then it's also just as fun in knowing something like this, that's clearly making up some new things like new characters, new arena of like, even if this game is a button mashing fight game, mm-hmm. you know, that's never going to be canon. If some elements are popular, if that Wookiee warrior is insanely popular, he's going to end up in <laughs> Mandalorian season six, you know, <laughs> or, you know, if this arena is insanely popular, it's going to uh, pop up in its original state in the high Republic or that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I love that too. That, yeah. The freedom to kind of play around is, is the playground for me. And, and that's where, the spirit of those type of games as much like, you know, obviously I love Aiden Versio and her story in Battlefront 2, but also just uh, firing up uh, the game and taking Ray to Fallujah to fight Anakin. I mean, okay, let's do it. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just kind of fun. Um, so we'll see a little bit more of this game. We'll get some information soon. But the final question for you, Joseph, uh, you know, you and I, over the years, we've, we've bought our game and systems. We, we love to sit down and waste days playing games. Um, is this, is this going to be a switch buy for you? <laughs> I, it is going to be a check on my switch to make sure it, uh, everything works. Uh, cause I do have a Nintendo switch, uh, <laughs> that I bought to play breath of the wild, uh, in particular. Uh, and then I, I fell off of playing breath of the wild because I was losing way too much time. I almost did not get fully prepared for a convention because I was just going to, instead of doing a stand-up set at the convention, I was just going to be like, and then I made some mushrooms and then I found some pants and like, okay, I got to take a break. Um, So I do have my switch uh, in, so I'm going to power it up for this. And I'm I'm just, I'm really, really curious of exactly what this is because it looks like there's also some like mobile versions. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it looks like it's going to be kind of, some combination of Fortnite, Mortal Kombat, and Masters of Terrascasi, where it's just weird Star Wars characters beat the hell out of each other. So I am attracted by the fact that it is not a epic, epic uh, spend thousands and thousands of hours inside this world because it means I can kind of bop in, check it out, enjoy the new characters, uh, and uh, and successfully walk away as well. Yeah, and I'm glad you you touched on uh, the possible of uh, it being mobile. Uh, looking, I'm I'm, I'm in scanning the article right now just to make sure it's not just a uh, Nintendo Switch Watch uh, or, or something else. Uh, no, it's going to be uh, in the App Store, Google Play, all that kind of stuff. Uh, anyways, that that's intriguing to me. If if I can take anything with me, and I'm in the doctor's office, and I need just five minutes to to punch a stormtrooper, like oh, you know, that that can be. So other other than that, probably not going to do the old switch by myself because I, I, like you, Joseph, have to be careful. Last night I sat down for a quick dinner and it was like, ah, you know what? I do kind of need to find some herbs and flowers in Red Dead Redemption 2, <laughs> All right. you know, and two hours later. So, yes, it's a, it happens. It happens. Uh, surprise. We got more on the Boba Fett comic. Uh, this got teased was last week. Cool little photo, Boba Fett from Marvel, like, hey, something's coming. Well, now we know it is a five-issue miniseries called War of the Bounty Hunters from Charles Soule and artist Steve McNiven. 
Uh, all right, here's a story pitch. I'm really summarizing. <laughs> Boba Fett didn't go straight to Jabba the Hutt with Han Solo frozen in carbonite. Begin scene. Uh, described as an epic uh, crime epic and a crossover with the other Star Wars lines right now. Charles Soul, said, uh, Soul says uh, this builds into something much bigger. So just kind of general thoughts here, Joseph. Uh, I will admit to this publicly. I, You had to remind me that this news was revealed. I, I just am blind to Boba Fett in Star Wars news dumps. <laughs> just skip over it. It's not a, I do enjoy the character. I enjoy Morrison's uh, interpretation around Mandalorian. Um, but um, I skip over it. So I'll start with you, sir. What are you looking for from War of the Bounty Hunters Boba Fett style? Yeah, there's a couple things that I'm really intrigued by. Um, I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to see uh, Charles Soule's uh, characterization of Boba Fett. I, I've really enjoyed all of uh, his work in both Light of the Jedi, uh, High Republic, and his comic books have been pretty consistently my favorites. I think he's got a really, really uh, great way of taking all of the evidence of stuff that we know about characters and events. In, in tying them all together in a way that's still kind of putting his stamp on the characters and making them fresh. So just like I was really interested before Mandalorian season two about how can we tie all these cool threads of, of Boba Fett's past uh, between being clone, you know, kind of clone, kind of Mandalorian, definitely bounty hunter, definitely hates Jedi, definitely has something to prove, definitely has an ego, uh, all that stuff and tie it into, uh, you know, this really resonant character. And we, I think we got that in Mandalorian season two. I think we're going to get that in Book of Boba Fett. But I'm super excited to see Charles uh, Soule's take on that in this particular era. And, you know, the, the pitch is really about, you know, he didn't go straight to Jabba with Han Solo, uh, partially because there are problems and he loses Solo. Mm -hmm. So in it, that makes it this really interesting motivational question for Boba Fett of, is getting Solo back about pride for Boba Fett? Is it about a personal issue with Solo? Is it about what the payoff means for Fett of like, I get this job, <laughs> I get this money, and then I can kick back for a little while? Like, why is it Why is it so important to Fett? I'm excited for that. Yeah, and so, yeah, so Charles Soule, I just trust him so much as a Star Wars storyteller. I mean, I have for a bit, but the Lie of the Jedi just really put a fine point on just wow this guy really tells some stories i love but the vader stuff was amazing his comic book work is kind of what he's known for prior to a lot of the jedi obviously uh i i you touched on why this appeals to me as someone who skips over boba fett stuff in the news is the depth that i think he'll bring to this character and there's a lot going on it's crime epic i grew up i guess loving bounty hunters like a lot of star wars kids they're 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 part of the galaxy and I do love them. And I think they're all kind of cool in their own way and not to put too much praise on scoundrels there. Um, but um, I do kind of like them, but I, I the last couple of years, just finding myself less and less pulled in by their storytelling. I, I just, I'll say, I just don't like the current bounty hunters comic series going on for Marvels. It's just not clicking for me. My, if you out there listening, love it. Um, more power to you. It's not grabbing me and Boba Fett's in that um, it's falling flat for me. So, to take that, I was initially like, eh, okay, Boba Fett wore the, but if Soul's there and 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 can tell, like you said, uh, grab what's there and put it out there, put it in there in the page and, and present Boba Fett in, in a new way for me, but that's, uh, but it's the way, not the new way, but like Boba Fett as he is, um, then uh, then I'll be okay with it. And the idea of uh, he didn't, didn't, didn't go straight to Jabba, but what really happened, that gets into dangerous territory for me as a fan where I'm like, 
all right, it's got to really sync up. I got to watch Return of the Jedi and feel like all the stuff you presented to me did happen, that it made sense and it wasn't too crazy. And I can, I can get a little grumpy on that. That's one of the things I admit as a Star Wars fan. So I'm excited to see if they can live up to my silly standards, Justin. Oh, no, I'm, I'm there with you with the standards. I think I have feel a little bit more like, yeah, I, I, I'm happy with the, here's various adventures that the characters had in between the original trilogy movies. But, you know, I, I think I am cautious about, like, I don't need every little beat, you know, explained <laughs> yeah. kind of thing uh, for me. Um, and I haven't read that Bounty Hunters comic book yet, so I don't have any opinion on it myself. But I think, yeah, the trick with the Bounty Hunters is if they're in something a little bit, it's really fun to just have scary, surprising uh, weirdos with awesome, strange weapons. Uh, but if you're going to spend a lot of time with them, I feel like you, for me, you do have to dig down and you have to find out, well, you know, what motivates Dengar? How is that different from what motivates Bosk? You know, what, you know. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing about this arc that I am intrigued by, and I think the reason that it's crossing over and, and Charles Soule is saying it builds into something much bigger, is this idea that not only does Fett lose Solo, but that everybody wants Solo for different re- reasons. Right. Uh, you know, the Empire Invader and different uh, criminal organizations and other uh, bounty hunters. So this feels to me like, yeah, it's being announced as Boba Fett, and we're all like, yeah, Boba Fett. Uh but this honestly feels like a celebration of Han Solo. It feels like Han Solo as the Maltese Falcon. Like yeah. frozen Han Solo is the scoundrel MacGuffin, the thing that everybody wants. And I hope that he doesn't come out of the carbonite. You know, some of the preview pages, it looks like there's something wrong with the carbonite and that's what kicks off the adventure. Um, I personally don't want that. I'll read it and accept it and try to understand if he comes out of the carbonite. Right. I don't want him out of the carbonite because I think it's really interesting to see like, even in Carbonite, Han Solo causes just massive amounts yeah. of trouble is really intriguing to me. It's like a weird memorial. <laughs> yeah. He, he took money from me. He owes me this. That, that could be kind of fun. Yeah. Mm, mm. Well, uh, we'll look for it soon. Uh, we, we don't cover the comics as much here on, on Force Center because sometimes it's just the sheer volume of them. Uh, can be a thing. I'm trying to catch up with the Afro comic right now. I was reading about three or four of them last night, enjoying that stuff. But uh, we'll, we'll look for this one. And much like we did with the Rise of Kylo Ren comic series, we'll give this a four center once over. All right. Uh, surprise! Secrets of the Sith coming from Inside Editions. Oh, this is great. Inside Editions will be releasing a follow-up to Secrets of the Jedi, a book we enjoyed here. As I said, called Secrets of the Sith, Mark Summerack uh, will write it, illustrated by Sergio Gomez-Sylvan. The book will have those uh, interactive features we kind of love from Inside Editions, the pop-ups, the, the little booklets, and the lift-up flap inserts. Feel like you're 11 all over again, just looking <laughs> behind pages. Uh, it will cover Maul, Ventress, Vader, Kylo Ren, and include thoughts from Palpatine himself. Joseph, what are we looking forward to from this look at the dark side? Yeah, I'm so happy about this, partially because I really, really love that Secrets of the Jedi book. Uh, I had said uh, I won't go on about it, uh, why we're recommending it from Inside Editions with that discount, FC35. Uh, but if you haven't checked it out, it's, uh, you know, on one hand, it is that just that sense of discovery. You know, it comes with a little Oribesh key so you can uh, take it out and, and compare it to all the famous quotes uh, from Jedi. Or you can just kind of feel like, oh, Mace Windu said that and it has this many letters. So, uh, is it <laughs> the party's over? You know. It's got that sense, like you said, of, of being a kid again and being let in on secrets. But it's written from Luke's perspective. And I think it, this is not a, a 
deep, hardcore, all hear all the canon answers. Mm-hmm. But for anybody who wrestled with Luke in The Last Jedi, this is written from basically the perspective of Ray just left the island. I realize that that I do need to act. I do need to... It is important that the Jedi continue. And then it's all this fun information, but it's presented from this like, oh, yeah, this matters. So A, that makes that book cool. And B, to know that this one is written from Palpatine's perspective very much feels like this is written... Uh, written in, in quotation marks, while Palpatine is hanging from a clarm in Exegol. <laughs> so I think this could be really great from just the, you know, it's not just, it's going to be the just the information, right? To, yeah. to summarize things of here are the dark side powers, uh, here's the h- how this person lived and died, but it's Palpatine's perspective, which means we'll probably get like, here's who deserves to be a Sith, who who, here's who just dabbled in the dark side but never fully understood it. It'd probably be his take on Snoke and his yeah. successful seduction for a while of Kylo Ren. Um, it could possibly get into some interesting stuff like Secrets of the Jedi did about the Sith powers, about clinging to life unnaturally or uh, the force steel that he does to, to Ben and Rey. Uh, it, it's got some potential to have not like wow here's some canon answers but just some kind of fun stuff from palpatine's perspective as well as being just a a great little uh you know friendly for all ages encyclopedia of powers and names across generations i hadn't really even thought of what you just said of just this could be palpatine uh, on a claw going dictation please uh <laughs> that's really fat and i don't want to i don't want to lock myself into that if, it, if it's something else but yeah the i, I it, you know I'm, I'm joking but it's like if, if this is like palpatine's burn book <laughs> of, <laughs> you know dooku uh easy to fool Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, Asajj Ventress didn't really... Uh, pow- okay, she was pretty powerful and she did all this stuff, but she never really deserved it. And like, I mean, uh, the I, I saw some discussion already online of like, well, you know, technically are these characters Sith and that? And like, uh, you know, obviously the book is just, you know, it, it's a stronger title to say Secrets of the Sith, not Secrets of the Sith, you know, yeah. parentheses, and other dark side. But I think that will all be taken care of because from Palpatine's perspective... You know, Sith is a way of life. A dark Sider should be a Sith. And, you know, I think it's going to have some fun perspectives on, you know, like I said, who who earns it? Or, you know, yeah, Snoke didn't call himself a Sith, but he was because he was my puppet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm now super, super excited. And again, this is like, what do we, I'm not, I don't want to suddenly, you, you and I, you and I love Palpatine in a way. We've always talked about this. But we love that he's the villain, and we love what he represents, and we love what we can get out of him, and we just love Ian McDiarmid just chewing up scenery like a champ. <laughs> but, so I'm not saying I suddenly want to understand Palpatine in a in a better way. I don't want that. I want him to be who he is. But what do you what do you what do you, what do you want to gain? What do you hope to gain from like insights about the Sith by the Sith? I think just uh, that perspective of megalomania, right? That perspective of the dark side is correct. The the galaxy is uh, chaos and embracing and causing the chaos is the only honest and true way. And the, the Jedi are naive liars and hypocrites. And here's the best way to access that power. And from that perspective, he's also going to have to admit without actually acknowledging it a huge amount of failure right because if it's written from the perspective of he's hanging you know half dead on a hook in exegol 
he's going to have to say, well, yeah, but okay, Vader failed. And I guess Asajj saw the light. And you know, I guess I never really could fully control Maul. And he went on to do a bunch of stuff that I didn't really like. <laughs> yeah. So I think it could have this fun contrast that we get from villains of like their viewpoint is I am the best. I am unstoppable. Uh, yeah. And then, and then I did fail a lot, but here are all my excuses. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just a, a playbook of evil. And yeah. Exposing it as evil. And Palpatine's burn book is coming soon. <laughs> and look, we, we joke about, yeah, we have that code FC, FC 35. We, we could joke about that, but you know, Joseph and I, when we were approached by that, it's like, it's something that we, we read, we read these books and we like these books and we like this company. Uh, we think they're just great kind of, uh, pieces just to uh, accompany the the star wars story we all love there so that is uh, something there look for that we'll definitely cover that when it comes out final final headline of the of, of of the day it's it's again to me another surprise um and this came a little bit earlier in the week but the ryan johnson trilogy still on exclamation point i mean still on question mark <laughs> so here's this and there's there's probably some other things that, that came out of this we could dive into even on a more almost on a deep dive level. We're going to focus on this kind of uh, this headline. Uh, last week, author and columnist Soraya Wilson conducted an interview with Ryan Johnson. She also did one with Daisy Ridley. Uh, and again, like I said, a lot to pull out of those things because she's been tweeting about the interviews um, saying, here's this and here's that. And and I felt a little dumb. I was like, oh, let me go look at the interviews. I can't find them. So I guess they're still coming. Joseph, you <laughs> couldn't find them either. Right. I'm not, I'm not crazy. No, no, I, I did spend some time kind of reading up on her tweets because I saw uh, several and missed a few. And, and I don't know exactly where, when the article or maybe the full video interviews are coming, but I'm very excited to, to see them in their their full state as well as her tweets. Yeah, um, she tweeted the, the big one that got all the headlines and a lot of attention, fortunately and unfortunately for her, because that's the way of the Star Wars Twitterverse sometimes. Uh, she says that Ryan Johnson uh, not has not left the Star Wars galaxy, that he is still working on the, quote, Ryan Johnson trilogy, but there's no production or release timeline. So I, I, I'm starting the discussion here, Joseph. This might be a weird one, but how do we feel about this news in 2021? Because <laughs> this was a 2017 news thing, and it's a fair question. And and you and I, you know, we do love The Last Jedi. There's obviously things we can always dive into. I think we're generally fans of Ryan. Um but I, I, I'll start there. It was a, I almost had a shrug in 2021. Yeah, I, I don't, I am not dispassionate about it. I feel like uh, this is a moment where I get to feel like uh, some of my, my Jedi friends, my Jedi heroes. And like, I just feel sort of at peace about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it is meant to be and it works for Ryan Johnson and Lucasfilm, it will be. And if not, it won't be. And I'm excited that it's still, you know, moving forward on some level. Um, but yeah, so that I'm, I, I hope that I'm capturing what I feel. If they announced tomorrow that it was, yes. And in fact, we're, we're doing this one right after, uh, Patty Jenkins, uh, or it would be, even if it was, you know what, uh, Ryan Johnson's on board with it. We're going to release these on Disney plus and they're mm-hmm. coming tomorrow. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I would be thrilled. I'm excited to see, uh, whatever Ryan Johnson wants to do or tell. I just don't feel caught up in the. Uh, in any sort of rush or speculation game about it. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the biggest thing that has changed. Uh, you are describing your feelings a little bit better than me just saying shrug, but that's that's where it starts for me of, of you know, okay, just, you know, if it happens, it happens. And I got to be there. And I'll, I think there's a little bit of the, I don't want to go through it again. 
with his uh, name, no fault of his own, just inspiring so many, so much of the conversations, even though I'm a little less involved online these days. I just, there's part, even on some friends levels where I'm like, I just don't want to deal with these texts right now <laughs> of, of his movies. Um, and that's not fair to Ryan. That's not fair to Lucasfilm, not fair to Star Wars fans. Cause I'm like you, Joseph tomorrow, breaking news. Uh, it's coming. These three movies uh, or even just one is, is on the way. We're going to discuss it. I'm going to be excited. And I think that's just where I'm at. Let me see it. Um, let it let it actually happen in development is one thing um and and a lot of time it's crazy to think a lot of time has has passed since that it was first announced but again benioff and weiss had films back, back then it was a different time and the business model has changed too for disney so that's probably changed uh is some of the excitement i have for it yeah yeah i think for me you know yes the, the, there's the after last jedi there was just such vitriol against last jedi and then after rise of skywalker i feel like sometimes there is almost pro <laughs> uh mm-hmm. last jedi uh you know level of you know totally totally understandable if people didn't like rise of skywalker didn't like um how it resolved but i think sometimes there can even be this energy that you know ryan johnson gets star wars in a way that other people don't. Uh, so yeah, a lot of it is just, um, for me, I, I think maybe that's where some of my piece comes in of like, I think he's an amazing filmmaker. I love last Jedi. I want to sit in a place of joy with those opinions (laughs) and, and don't want to get caught up in a, in a male storm, uh, around that. I think for me, there's, there's always the ongoing question of, you know, what would the, what would the trilogy be? Um, but for me, there's also just this big picture change in, uh, the, the landscape of what Star Wars is. My reaction to it changes a lot by what is the goal of the Star Wars trilogy he's making? Is it the next big in actual cinemas Star Wars trilogy, or is it existing at a time where in the movie theater, Here's Patty Jenkins' take on Star Wars. Here's what Taika Waititi loves about Star Wars. Here's a creator we haven't even heard of yet. Here's what they love about Star Wars. And then also here's what Ryan Johnson, his take on Star Wars. It's a, it's a really big difference if his trilogy is just uh, one of the many pieces of, of Star Wars uh, you know, storytelling that you can get at the buffet versus this is the direction for Star Wars heading into the future, which is, I think, the way we kind of thought it might be when it was first announced. Yeah, 100% right. And now to me, that's a little less pressure for for the project for me, you know, as a fan, because now again, the, the buffet you and I always talk about now has chicken tenders, tacos, uh, quesadillas, a lot of st- a lot, lot, lots on the <laughs> on there to choose from. Gosh, I'm hungry again. Um, so yeah, I have I have hopes uh, for this one day seeing the seeing the light and, and to, to your point too of just like, you know, the last year or so. I think a lot of people that had some big, wonderful shields around The Last Jedi then started to use those shields as weapons <laughs> against Crisis <laughs> Skywalker. And that didn't sit well with me to be just uh, vaguely blunt, I guess if I could say. So, yeah, there's part of that, too. But again, that's not his fault. That's not uh, any potential project's uh, fault. Uh, we'll take it as it is. And yes, I'm excited. I'm excited when it happens. And that's kind of where I'll, I'll leave it there. As far as um, hopes for what it actually could be. Yeah, this beyond the legacy characters in a new corner of the galaxy. You know, High Republic has changed my views on what that could be because uh, it's just done such a good job of taking the galaxy I know and, and, and presenting it uh, 200 years earlier, quite frankly, just on a base level. I'm like really into it. 
in a way that I did not think I would be because I am a give me Han Luke led some stormtroopers that that is me over and over again. And it's uh, it's allowed me to to look at Star Wars a little differently. So if Ryan can can find that in some other time period, I'd be uh, up for the ride now, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I really think that ever since this was talked about, it was just a, it's going to not have any legacy characters. It's going to be set in a, you know, a different place or time uh, that I think if and when this trilogy comes, it is really going to be sort of the uh, cinematic high republic. It's going to have those level of freedoms, that level of freedom where you really don't know what's going to happen to the characters next. And and the final thing that I'll say uh, about me sort of taking any sort of internet discussion out of it, you know, I think that Ryan Johnson is a a creator who really blends great pop culture storytelling sensibilities with really being a, a an artist who explores what he wants to and also always has something in his films that is, you know, personal, meaningful to him. So I'm really excited to just see yeah. free of any legacy characters, any specific timeline. What does Star Wars mean to him? How does that connect to him on a deeply personal level? And how does he turn that into a thrilling adventure serial is really fascinating. I'm right there with you on that. And when the interviews actually come out, again, some intriguing things about Ryan's views on Ray and Kylo, some stuff with Daisy Ridley. Uh, we'll absolutely dive on into it. Uh, I'm happy for Soraya Wilson. I also felt bad when she had to like block chain 74,000 people, uh, you know, to, to, to mute them and everything. It just, what a time, what a time, Yeah, <laughs> what a time. So that is our look at star Wars news, a big week of news. Indeed. A lot of things on the way before we take a break and get to your questions. We're going to do our force center recommends an audiobook We think you should try out on us, Joseph. That's right. We're going to the High Republic. We are recommending Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, one of the next books in the High Republic series. We're going to be digging into that soon. So we want to invite you to dig in, too, with this audiobook. That's right. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. Just kind of scratching the surface on that one, about 100 pages in it, uh, but having a great time with that book, too. So can't wait to discuss that here on Force Center. Also can't wait to answer your questions, which is what we're going to do after this break. Stick around for more Force Center. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. Welcome back to Four Center, episode 300 of the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet and Joseph, part of the joy of being in this fleet is those who listen and support us and send us great questions take it away that is right we got some great questions as always from both twitter and our patrons on patreon we're going to start with twitter this comes from michael gibbons uh, michael asks with the new show on the way do you think there is a connection between scar squadron aka task force 99 and the bad batch aka clone force 99 they have similar functions to each other i'd be interested to see if the new animated show shows us a one transition into the other uh and for listeners who maybe aren't up on all the comic books uh scar squadron has been uh, featured in the, the the star wars the kind of earlier uh, earlier to later run of the the Star Wars comic, right, Ken? Yeah, I like Scar Squadron a lot. I, I really do. And and they're kind of a, a weird... If, if anyone read the old G.I. Joe comics in the 80s, there was uh, the uh, Soviet counterparts were called the October Guard. And Ooh. it was this weird kind of uh, collection. I always bummed I didn't get October Guard figures uh, in G.I. Joe. And the Scar Squadron kind of reminded me of that. You got the big guy, you got this, you got that, and 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 Bad Batch, very similar. And so Task Force 99, Clone Force 99, I would love to be, think that there's some kind of connection. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, they obviously show up a little bit later. So I don't know. We'll see. But I, um, I'm not expecting the show to do that. But I, I can't, I can never turn away from those two squadrons. They, they just, they're so similar and in both of the way I like them and, and, and the, the intrigue about what it could, could mean. So uh, I don't have the, I don't have the perfect answer here, but maybe. Yeah. I mean, they, they do both lean into, uh, you know, it's storytelling that happens in many places, but I think you and I really associate it with the eighties cause we've seen it cause it was kind of in some ways it's, it's a cool story, but it's also a great way to market action figures of saying they're this elite team, but each one has their kind of own unique look or their own unique skill or their own unique trick, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and definitely Scar Squadron and Bad Batch are connected in that way. Uh, and I enjoy them in the comics. It's some some really good stuff with them. I really think and hope for myself that the story of the Bad Batch in the animated series is them turning away from the Empire, of them mm-hmm. thinking that oh, we've always been a little bit of outsiders, but we've we've been clones in that we are we are born to fight for the Republic. We are born uh, to win this war. Hey, the war is over, and now we're being sent on really different missions. I mean, I think Echo in particular is a character who has reason to uh, question things a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of feel like the story of the animated series is is going to be the Bad Batch turning away. Where I think the connection could or should be is, you know, a Tarkin or a Vader or a new Imperial character going. I see the value of mm. of uh, Clone Force ninety nine, and we we need something like that so mm-hmm. that there is. Um, 
almost even uh, uh, opposed to where the Bad Batch might end up, that there is a a, a taking of the idea of them mm. to create Task Force 99. That's the final season. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an idea here. Yeah, so we'll see. Either way, I want some I want some Scar Squadron figures. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, great question, Michael, and I'm very, very intrigued uh, to see those connections. Again, it's a it's a comic book thing, and, and Star Wars has, be, I think, become more and more uh, have connective t- tissues across the different mediums of storytelling, and I'm excited to see if there's any hint of this, of the emergence of Task Force 99 by the end of the Bad Batch uh, show. Mm-hmm. So, great question, Michael. We'll move on to Anthony Poirier. Uh, Anthony says, does anyone else find it a little bit curious that so far, Director Patty Jenkins' film isn't Rogue Squadron, colon, a Star Wars story, but just Star Wars, colon, Rogue Squadron. Titles don't always mean a lot, but there could be some small significance there. Uh, Ken, what do you think? Uh, Is there meaning in uh, the great Star Wars, colon, wars? Rock and rollin', colon, wars? Uh, Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't think it's particularly sexy. I just think it is... uh, a uh, marketing decision, a, hey, that last Star Wars story, we like it. A uh, lot of problems around it and not everyone seemingly loved it or watched it yet. Um, yeah, I think it's just kind of a new era. Uh, lots changed, like I said, with Ryan Johnson and Israel. Lots changed from 2017, even 2018, um, of what they can do and what they want to put out there. And I think this is kind of Star Wars Rogue Squadron is just really strong. And I, 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 I got a Star Wars story. I wouldn't say I was a super fan of that little subheading um, post colon uh, myself. I, I, I got it. I totally get it with Rogue One. You want to, you know, not everyone knows what that is. And especially with Rogue, was it Rogue Nation was coming out, Mission Impossible. You needed to kind of say, hey, don't, it's this pew pew that you like. Um, same with Solo. Uh, you know, if, if it wasn't going to be Han Solo, it needed to have some kind of connection. And then again, there were Kenobi, a Star Wars story, Greedo, a Star Wars story, all that kind of stuff. I just <laughs> think that's, that's changed. That plan's changed. And that's uh, nothing more uh, exciting than that. But also, it is big, it is significant to me. Yeah, um, I'm in total agreement. I absolutely love the movie uh, Solo, colon, A Star Wars Story. I think in a very few years, we're going to start to see tweets coming out going, what? Solo didn't do well at the box office, and that's going to be shocking and new information to people. Uh, But for now, yeah, I think the subtitle, A Star Wars Story, uh, perished at the Solo box office uh, is (laughs) as a mission, right? Because that, that was how it was laid out to us of like, we're going to do... Uh, a new trilogy that continues the main story. And then we're going to do these little side stories, these little Star Wars stories. And, you know, the two ones they picked uh, first ended up being extremely tied to uh, the the main Skywalker saga. So I think if it, if it had been <laughs> Gonk Droid, a Star Wars story, and it truly was some small thing, like maybe a Star Wars story would have survived as an idea because it, it distinguished itself a little bit. Um, but I think for now, it, it just kind of, for me, ended up being a little bit of a, of a clunky subtitle that limited your ability to do other cool, mm. you know, subtitles. Mm. Um, I think the, in terms of Anthony's great question of like, uh, besides branding and, and, and communicating to uh, a general audience, what this movie is, is there any, anything else to read in these, uh, these colon tea leaves? Um, I do think it is interesting that uh, they're not limiting it uh, in any way 
uh, with a Star Wars story because a Star Wars story, even if that had been popular and great, it, it implied this is a one-off thing. Mm-hmm. And I really think that this film, is, my prediction is that Star Wars Rogue Squadron is going to tell its own story and be a complete meal, but totally leave the door open for more. I think yeah, yeah. that they, I, I think that Disney film Lucas, uh, Lucasfilm or Disney film Lucas, uh, Disney <laughs> Lucasfilm recognizes that Star Wars has to have a different model than MCU. Mm-hmm. But I think it is great for them to go like, well, here's a Patty Jenkins film. And if you all love it, maybe it will grow into its own trilogy. Yeah. Ooh, it's hope. It's a title of hope. Shouldn't yeah. it so? <laughs> it should be called Star Wars Rogue Squadron Episode One with a question mark. And it'll be just, it's totally open. You get to decide if it's episode one of Rogue Squadron. Great thoughts, Anthony. Uh, We're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. First one comes from Douglas Dubois. uh, Dubois. Uh, Douglas says, whenever a supergroup comes along, especially if it's made up of artists I enjoy, I'm intrigued by what they are about as much as what the music sounds like. Uh, That gets me thinking of what your Star Wars supergroup looks like. And most importantly, why have they come together? You know, we've gotten uh, a lot of great questions about various uh, Star Wars people uh, teaming up for uh, different tasks. And Douglas is really uh, specifically asking about musical supergroups here, Ken. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to add a question uh, for my own personal edification. Uh, Do you have a favorite real life musical supergroup? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Traveling Wilburys. I mean, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of other choice. And no, there's no other choice. It's the Traveling Wilburys. It's <laughs> uh, just a, a successful combination of uh, great older musicians in Tom Petty, who seemed like an older musician when he was 22. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Robert Duvall, born old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't, uh, don't get me started on the Wilburys here. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Let's get uh, you started on whatever your traveling uh, Star Wars band would be. Uh, what would your supergroup be? And to Douglas' question, why are they together? What kind of music are they creating? But what kind of uh, you know identity or idea or meaning are they putting into the galaxy by being a supergroup? I I think the time period and some of these characters may have you know may have seek, had to survive in ways that you didn't think they did. Um, during the period of time following uh, the fall of the Galactic Empire, the New Republic popping up, uh, the galaxy is still fractured uh, on some levels and, and there needs to be a sales pitch and a coming together and all these kind of big hopeful themes. It's, it's hard to hard for Leia and Mothma to get everyone just to get on board with that. I think you do a concert for the Re- New Republic and uh, <laughs> it's a, you know, Band-Aid, Live Aid, all those great uh, kind of uh, charity coming togethers in the eighties and beyond. That's where I think it begins, but I think it's one band that forms. Okay. They, they do end or aid and then they become a band. Yes. Yes. Uh, Do you have uh, members of this band? I, I, I realized as I started to make my list, I'm like, well, that's not going to be fair to Joseph. Um, (laughs) I can't take all the choices. I follow your truth. And if we have uh, repeats, that's just fine. I do want, look, I do want size noodles to be part of this. And I think Erodia Ventafoli needs to be a part of it as well. Um, 
we need two powerful vocalists at the at the, at the center. Um, but also want a collection of. I'm really looking at the, the band uh, in in Monscanada's Castle with Styx Corral is is someone that needs to be laying uh, laying down the uh, the vibes there. Um, I if he survives, I'd put Max Rebo there. Um, and in the holiday special, the Lego holiday special, he he does right. So take that as canon, just concrete canon. <laughs> because I think he was good at uh, organizing, getting the band together, being a, a leader of the band. And I think he would need to reach across the aisle to figure Dan. Mm. And I know I'm just listing just all-star characters, but that's part of what this is. These are the people in the galaxy, the creatures in the galaxy. So uh, Six and a Droopy McCool backing band, uh, Max Rebo uh, on one side, figuring Dan on the other side. And just uh, you could have a collection of vocalists coming on in there, but you need someone. You know, I'm thinking Freddie Mercury at uh, the Live Aid. Just uh, you need that kind of front man in front of uh, in front of the galaxy. So size noodles would be a a, a front snoodles for uh, for the band here. Nice. Uh, I think that's great. We did go to similar places with some of the musicians, uh, yeah. some some different places with some of the other uh, musicians, but a very similar thing in terms of the purpose of this band. Uh, my supergroup is uh, forming after the events of Rise of Skywalker, uh, after the you know total destruction <laughs> of the galactic government. Uh, but right. then you know the citizens' fleet uh, saves the day uh, on Exegol, and it's really a chance for the galaxy, like you were saying, come together and, and deal with this. Uh, multi-generational cycle of war mm. um so my super group is called the survivors and they are uh, put together of people who all came very close uh, to dying mm. <laughs> in uh, various uh, horrific uh conflicts and i think they you know they sing songs that that acknowledge the horror of war uh but then also celebrate the joy of life so they can mm. kind of look back and help people cope you know have have a song to kind of you know, get those those dark feelings out, uh, but then also to have uh, songs that are just up tempo and like, hooray, we made it, uh, and and there's hope in the future. Uh, my band gotta have Droopy McCool, uh-huh. um, just not only clearly one of the great uh, instrumentalists in Star Wars, but one of the best names ever. Uh, I think joining Droopy McCool from that era uh, would be the former backup singer, uh, now lead singer Rystal Sant. Yeah. Uh, I think she is uh, one of the great uh, backup singers, and I think uh, they both uh, realize that how how close they came to total <laughs> annihilation, uh, being being so close to Jabba. Um, I think that uh, that just like you, Upert sticks a quarrel. I think he survived the uh-huh. tragedy at Moscanata's castle. Right. That gave him some perspective on violence. <laughs> <laughs> and I think to really uh, you know tie it all together. The lead vocalist, the person who really put this all together, very, very old at this point, is uh, Lulilo Primak, of mm. course, a vat weirdo from Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, but he, according you know, to the Solo Visual Dictionary, he has been in entertainment uh, for uh, just decades and decades and decades. So he has seen it all. He knows it all. He'd be that old, wide, wise voice uh, having perspective on the galactic highs and lows. And then my final person, he is not a member of the band, but he features on one of the songs. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that really just it tests the galaxy's ability to come together after all this conflict. Uh, everybody loves this band uh, that's called The Survivors. Uh, <laughs> and then they get this one track that suddenly drops uh, that is featuring... Uh, a duet with Joe Yauza. 
<laughs> and at first it's one of those people like i love this band i will not listen to that with this guest we, we don't like joe and then it, people are just shocked it's it joe yaza has grown he's uh matured and his vocals now are just uh amazingly impressive nobody knew that he had it in him this is great i'll uh, i'll toss into you know we'll just squish all of our bands together i guess that's the point of a super group but i i do want one of the ewoks playing uh stormtrooper helmets <laughs> to be in the background of the big concert just like as it's going, whatever the song is, hooray, we survived. I think you said one of the songs, you know, hooray, we survived. And just, and the crowd goes wild because they're like, yeah, Ewok on Stormtrooper helmets. Yeah. Yeah. I think it becomes one of the most popular instruments. Uh, whatever the uh, Star Wars version of Guitar Center is, sells Stormtrooper helmets as drum sets for sure. Absolutely. Ah, that's fun. <laughs> Great question. Very, very fun, Douglas. Uh, we're going to move on to our final question from Ben Shug. Here is what Ben has to say. During a recent rewatch of The Empire Strikes Back, one scene made me think of a line from The Force Awakens. When Luke is dangling beneath Cloud City, he reaches out to Obi-Wan, a character from his past, multiple times for help, but receives no response. But when Luke instead calls to Leia, a character representing his future, she hears him immediately and turns the ship around to rescue him. This instantly brought to mind Maz's line to Ray: "The belonging you seek is not behind you; it is ahead." This made me compare Luke and Ray's journeys in a way I never had, and made me emotional thinking about Luke and Leia's relationship and their eventual relationships with Ray. My question is: Are there any lines of dialogue in newer Star Wars media that have completely changed your view of an older scene from an emotional perspective and not a functional one? Uh, for example, your viewing of The Phantom Menace is affected from a logistic perspective by knowing that Darth Maul survives the film. Uh, but what Ben is asking here is more about those emotional perspectives being changed. Uh, ben says, thank you for all your great work. It helped me get through the past year. Happy New Year to you and your families. Uh, I left the Happy New Year in there to uh, remind everyone that we do take the questions we get. It sometimes just takes a little while to get them. <laughs> so, Ben, thank you for the great, great, interesting question and observation. And uh, here in late February, Happy New Year to you as well. So, Ken, where do you go with this? What are the quotes from newer Star Wars that make you see older parts of Star Wars in, in a different emotional light? Yeah, Ben, just a gr great example and a great uh a great question, and I sometimes I I just don't feel I'm going to even uh, uh, meet your uh, level of, of wonder and a, a wonderful uh, just a wonderful expression of thought there, Ben. Is what I'm trying to. I'm, I'm bumbling even. I'm, I'm basically saying I'm like I fail. I, f I failed this one. <laughs> um, but I, here's where I went. Um, I have talked often. I don't want to repeat too much. Of just uh, my Han Solo being my guy, but my view of Han Solo's death. Even your discussion, the discussion I had with you on that episode of Jedi Alliance, uh, Joseph of Breaking Down Force Awakens, and how I re just got to examine how I engage with Star Wars and and and, and my expectations going into in Force Awakens. I was I was I guess I was expecting Admiral Solo, leader mm. of the New Republic. Uh, you know, Supreme General Solo. That sounds pretty uh, uh evil but you know just <laughs> you know he, he became a general captain solo was the millennium falcon general solo was the 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 rebellion and then that would just kind of grow leia would be the chancellor and han and leia are the greatest love story of of my youth and i'm not alone in that i get that um and to discover in episode seven that they were separated i i i it took me a bit to be really uh, not just secure with that choice but just happy with it i actually really enjoy it and it's because i was able to kind of look at some of the stuff with them and two sets of lines make me go back to the return of the jedi moment where han makes his big decision he makes a lot of decisions but he makes his kind of 
yeah, I'm general solo of the rebellion, causing Leia to kind of look at him and not see him in a new light, but maybe he's finally meeting what she knows is there, if, if, if that makes sense. And there's some stuff in the, in the Star Wars and the Return of the Jedi novelization that kind of backs that up of, of that particular moment has been there. But for me as a solo fan who spent a lot of years waiting for him to get back in action, and then here he is on the Irvana, he is what he used to be. I love the line when they're talking there on um, on uh, in, in the base there uh, that we both had to deal with it in our own way, says Han. I went back to the only thing I was ever good at, to which Leia says we both did. And just that it made me look back at all of his life decisions and how I think as a as a kid, I think by the end of New Hope, I thought, ah, he's he's a rebel now, right? I ignore the fact that an Empire for years just didn't pay attention to the beginning of Empire where he's running away again. Um, and that the commitment with 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 to 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 lead the attack on Endor, what that meant. And that the idea that they took that and extended that and kind of this 40 plus years of life and how we all can easily go back onto who we are. Uh, and earlier when they meet, Leia says the great line, same jacket, to which Han says, oh, new jacket. <laughs> Looking at it, it's the same spirit behind it. And so that's uh, to me a lot of the, it's so easy to think you've changed, but really you are who you are. <laughs> we have to fight against that nature and make choices to go against that nature. It once again causes me to just reanalyze uh, Han Solo's actions in The Force Awakens, both good and both bad, and and, and the one that uh, finally takes his life, and then the one that, in in in, in a sense, is the compassion that Ben Solo needs to uh, make his big decisions in Episode Nine. So I always go back to that, and I love that little scene, and I think Carrie Fisher's great in that scene. I think Harrison Ford is 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 wonderful as always as Harrison Ford, and and that one just kind of inspires a lot of of thought of just like especially if you go back to Return of the Jedi, it was the princess who was the leader and it was the rogue who who, was, who picked up the blaster for the good fight and all those kind of things. And to know that it, it, it wasn't necessarily happily ever after, it was real. And Star Wars uh, saying that they had the greatest love of your youth, Ken, yeah, the love collapsed under the weight of that pressure because that these movies are analyzing that kind of stuff. It, it, it took me to a deeper spot, caused me to re- reevaluate how I engage with some of those scenes from the past. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I love really celebrating that. Um, the line of, you know, we, how they both went back to what they knew best. Uh, I like that. That is, you know, th there's layers to that, but I really, really love uh, what you're saying about the, you know, new jacket, same jacket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and that there is, there can be really a truth, uh, a, a story in star Wars that characters have a, a core truth, but they're also capable of change. And both of those things are true. And there's a lot of that going on with Han, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That <clears throat> he's always kind of the, the, uh, the same jacket, new jacket at the same time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. He's always Han. He's always trying to be honest with himself about who he is. He's always trying to be a slightly better person, you know, mm -hmm. powerful mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, yeah. One of the Han lines that, that jumps out to me from, from newer Star Wars, that it's true. All of it, um, it, it can be a fun meme is a great trailer moment. Um, I, I, it's emotionally powerful that it is Han's correction of himself in a new hope. I, I think it does show, uh, his growth, the, the parts of him that have changed that he starts from that place of cynicism of like, uh, yeah, 
it's easy to boil it down to like, yeah, wizards don't exist. There's no all powerful thing. It's just, mm-hmm. it's luck and skill with a blaster and that's all there is. And, uh, but the, the sort of the, the, the deeper meaning of that, that it's Han going like, no, yeah, no, I saw, I saw Luke uh, lift things and do flips. It's all real, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Darth Vader pulled that blaster on my hand. It's real. Um, but there's that depth to it that it's a, a validation in the vision of what the force is in star Wars, that it, the force is this idea that there is, uh, something more out there, something luminous and that we are, uh, whatever that means to you, that the important thing is that we're all connected. Everything is connected. And the power that Han is saying that in the same place, but he's saying that to a new generation while floating through a map of all of the, you know, connected points of the galaxy, mm-hmm. that it's true. All of it, the, that, that idea that, uh, of walking away from cynicism and walking toward the idea that we're all connected is emotionally how that, that affects me when I watch, uh, mm-hmm. watch it back to a new hope. That's great. Yeah. Walking away from cynicism is, it ain't easy, especially if you're a comic. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a hard, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple other quick ones for me. Um, there's a lot of great things obviously about the Yoda Luke scene in last Jedi and the, you know, the greatest teacher failure is we've discussed a lot about how that connects to Luke and his journey. I love how that line connects to Yoda's journey and it gives more weight to, uh, Revenge of the Sith for me emotionally when uh, Yoda says failed I have and again it's the literal like I thought I could defeat Darth Sidious and end this now but my inability to defeat him I, we're we're just matched and the fight will go on and on makes me realize this much larger failure and I need to go wrestle with that you know and, and that line the greatest teacher failure is isn't just what Luke needs to hear it's something that Yoda has learned through personal experience uh, that one's really powerful for me mm. um Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. That one really speaks to me because it is, it, it, it's, it's making it really personal. Uh, the story of heroes is often like they were fearless. They, they weren't scared what would happen, what was going to happen to them. They, they could have died. That was a dangerous, scary thing. But this is really that Star Wars version of fear. It makes it personal, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm watching all of the stories of our different Jedi and confronting fears, the destiny of the Jedi, you know, kind of echoes in my head when Anakin gives into his personal fear right. of, of losing things. Uh, when Obi-Wan confronts, you know, losing uh, uh, Satine and he doesn't give into uh, fear or anger or darkness. Uh, there are moments for Leia. There are moments for Ben. There are moments for Luke. There are moments from almost all our Jedi characters where they, have to confront a very personal fear of something that they might lose or something not being the way they want it to be. And it just makes that line really powerful to me. Two great examples. The, the Yoda one, I, I, I'm sometimes blown away at, 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 at sometimes how simple the connections are, but you can just kind of overlook it, especially in the moment you're in the theater. It's a little, maybe different, but when you're thinking about it after you leave the theater of just, yeah, Yoda saying that of just how deeply personal that was. Cause I don't know, again, you kind of can grow up and just be like, yeah, Yoda, the, the puppet, the puppet on the uh, uh, in the in the cave or by the cave. You, know? and you just forget that in, in the story and where you're trying to tell these stories and what you're drawn upon. It's it's something as simple as that that kind of can be this theme that uh, is personal for the character and therefore becomes extra personal for us and important for our other characters in the other moments. Anyways, I, I love that moment too. That's a great example. Yeah, it's a really powerful one. Uh, w- one more for me because this is really fun, and I just wanted to highlight Solo since we've been talking about Solo uh, a lot uh, this episode. Um, this isn't a specific, there are specific lines that build it, uh, but it's not a direct, you know, 
this line of dialogue to this line of dialogue. But I feel like in Solo has this this theme uh, where different characters present different ways to perceive the galaxy and to perceive being an individual in the galaxy. And several characters try to tell Han everybody needs somebody. And we get this kind of great story between uh, uh, Han and Chewbacca, how they need each other. Uh, but Kira has this, because of her rough life experience, has this much, um, and, and Beckett have this much more uh, darker perception of everybody serves somebody. Mm. So just this basic idea that Solo really presents of the people in the galaxy just trying to get by, you can look at it as everybody serves somebody or everybody needs somebody. Mm. and. I've had just fun kind of applying that test to Star Wars characters of, you know, who aren't in Solo, of which way do they see the galaxy between those perspectives of you, you are always beholden to somebody above you versus we all need uh, help from one another to get through the galaxy. That's a really fun emotional sort of test for me to look at Star Wars characters in different ways. Yeah, that's that's uh, flannel shirt wearing uh, that breaking down that theme there, uh, or flannel shirt worthy, I should say. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of a, a, a simple again, simple. It's so simple, uh, you know, easy to overlook these things, but it's just so simply stated because it's so powerful to the Star Wars story. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we could obviously go on uh, all day, but we've also already had like a nice full episode, a ton of news uh, this yeah. week and four great questions. So thank you, Ben. Thank you, Douglas. Thank you, Anthony. And thank you, Michael. Those are our questions, Ken. Our questions indeed. And if you want to reach out, tell the world that you love Force Center, you can do so by following us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast is available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash center. Uh, check out uh, what we got going over there and get into the Discord server as well. Uh, as for me, you can go to at Cadnapsock or go to cadnapsock.com for uh, information on all uh, things got going on there. We always like highlighting some uh, charities or things going on, uh, a lot of stuff going on in Texas, and, and you can only hope it's getting uh, better. There's a lot of places in it. Uh, I've been uh, tweeting out over in GPA, uh, the Good People Association, uh, just where we've been focusing some of our energies research the best spot. If you still want to help folks out there, I'm a big animal person. So I have been uh, making some donations to Austin pets alive as they help to uh, keep uh, pets safe and sound during uh, some trying times out there. So that's uh, where my focus is this week, Joseph. Well, I will uh, throw my weight behind your focus on, on immediate help needed in Texas. And I think that's really, really great uh, to highlight helping our animal friends. So I absolutely echo that. Uh, for my personal adventures, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures. All indeed. Well, episode 300, it's in the books, so we'll get going towards 300 more. A lot of fun discussing all the big news, the deep themes, and the silly little moments that make us love this franchise. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you soon here on Force.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.